Reputation is a very hard thing to achieve in higher education, and it's a very hard thing to lose. I, I love to say, you know, everybody thinks Harvard is a great university. Almost nobody could tell you why Harvard is a great university. Almost nobody has any facts to back that up. They just know it. That was Dr. Richard Freeland, the former president of Northeastern University. In today's episode, we are going to hear the story of Dr. Freeland and the rise of Northeastern University in the U.S. news rankings. My name is Abby Spees, and this is Good School. want the best, and we want to be told what the best is. If you go to a good school, doors are open, people automatically assume you are capable and smart and important. There is one ranking that looms large over our idea of how to define a successful person. The new 30th edition of Best Colleges was just released this morning, and we've got it. The U.S. News and World Report Annual College Ranking. The ranking system first started based on which schools had the most faculty publications and which had the most widely read and cited publications. It seems like originally rankings were based not so much on student learning, but mainly on faculty scholarship. The rankings started in 1983, and they were much less elaborate than they are today, and it was before the internet, so they were obviously not as accessible as they are today. And we're doing them for the same purpose back then as we are now, which was to provide information for consumers and our main audience's prospective students and their parents. So that, that's who we're doing it for. And, and our intent is to just provide them with one tool to use in admissions and, and not to be the sole factor. That was Robert Morris, the man behind the madness, so to speak. Robert Morris came up with the college ranking system for U.S. News and World Report. In this interview from Higher Education Today, produced by the University of the District of Columbia, Morris says his goal is to provide us with information, but I'm not sure what information he's providing the consumer because the U.S. News college rankings are notoriously opaque. The information they use to rank the colleges is not clear. What is clear is that the prospective students are consumers and everyone wants our money. Media companies like U.S. News know what sells. Savvy college administrators know how to use that media to woo these consumers of U.S. News. They are strange bedfellows, working together to sell young people and their parents the promise of future success. But is it all smoke and mirrors? After he was president of Northeastern, Dr. Richard Freeland, who we heard from at the top of the episode, decided that his school needed a better ranking. Here's his rationale. So it had a very strong constituency of exactly the kind of kids who usually go to public urban universities. And so when the state started building the University of Massachusetts at Boston, where I'd worked for 20 years, UMass Boston just took that constituency away from Northeastern. And Northeastern found itself losing enrollments and unable to compete with the public sector. And so the board really, under my predecessor, concluded that Northeastern needed a fundamentally different business model. We needed to attract more students who could actually afford a private institution, and we needed, therefore, to reach out to a wider constituency, not just Boston, and attract more middle-income and upper-middle-income students. 
Dr. Freeland wanted richer students at his school and decided that the rankings were the key to attracting the wealthy parents of wealthy future alumni. The whole world knows about the Ivy League. The whole world knows about Harvard, Yale, and Princeton, et cetera, et cetera. And then, so how do you compete with that? How do you raise your reputation when the whole idea of reputation is amorphous and without a factual basis it's just something that's out there in the general consciousness and what i realized was that the rankings gave us a playing field on which we could compete by the time i became president the rankings were already established as a significant factor in admissions we understood by then that parents and students would read them parents and students were desperate for information about colleges instead of providing prospective students of northeastern with information or reasons why Northeastern might be a good choice, Dr. Freeland came up with a plan to get a better ranking from U.S. News. So he took the information U.S. News published and started piecing together how the different colleges were ranked and why. U.S. News is a business. You have to pay for some of this stuff. You have to, you know, kind of join the club and pay a fee. So we did pay the fee. We did figure out how, how it worked. And, and then from there, it was just a lot of elbow grease and mobilizing the whole institution around that goal. And because the rest of the industry was basically hostile to the rankings, almost nobody else was playing the game exactly the way we were playing it. We were, we were pretty unusual. Now everybody does that. Instead of being hostile to the rankings, Dr. Freeland made a business decision to embrace the rankings. He paid the fee, but paying the fee was just the beginning. They tell you about how the formula works in very general terms. There are a lot of things inside the numbers that they don't publish for, for one reason or another. So we started with what was public information. And so what, what we did, and I was very, I'm not a particularly quantitative person, but I was surrounded by people who were, and they basically figured out how the formula worked by taking the results and sort of working backward to the inputs. And they got so sophisticated about it that by the time, by the end of my presidency, we could pretty much predict if we move this metric, if we move the graduate rate metric by five percentage points, exactly what the impact on our rank would be. And we, so we could model every conceivable policy change and operational change we would make and, and know what the impact. So that, that helped us once again, you know, figure out which would, what would be most important, what would be most powerful, what would move the needle the most. Dr. Freeland, what is happening here? Almost no one else is playing the game. I feel a little embarrassed to just now be realizing my future is a game and my graduation is a metric. Dr. Freeland, after coming up with his game plan, used himself and his staff to talk to other colleges that were a higher rank so he could finalize what he needed to do. One of the ways U.S. News ranks colleges is by peer review. So Dr. Freeland took it upon himself to make a sort of sales pitch to other universities to see if he could get other colleges to rank him better. So I had the presidents. My provost had the provost. My enrollment management vice president had the enrollment management dean's and we each systematically set out to reach uh, our counterparts at these 120 institutions. And so 
whenever I had a chance to meet with a president from one of our one of the other 120 institutions in our category, I would grab it, you know, at a conference if I was in the city, uh, and I would talk to them, and I would try, would try to, you know, I would have some, you know, excuse for wanting to talk to them. But my real point was to try to get in front of them and uh, tell Northeastern story, and I would always know what their numbers were. So if they ranked higher than we did, as as many of them did, I would then try to share places where our numbers were better than their number to kind of embarrass them a little bit. We ran it like a political campaign. Step right up, folks. See the mental marvel of the campaign, Mr. Mac GOP. He promises to solve all your problems. Ask him any question. But we actually moved our, our score from... Um, I think it was 2.2 on a scale of five to 3.1. And it was that movement that was the largest factor in our jumping into the top 100 as we did in, in my final year. Dr. Freeland figured out what data points could influence the rankings, but these data points are self-reported. So can we even trust the data? Here's what Robert Morse says. Well, I mean, we're, it's obviously a, a big question and it's an important question. I mean, I, I think broadly speaking, the schools are, are honest and they care about the data integrity. I mean, there's certainly been in 2012, there was this this week with, with George Washington or last week, but there's been Claremont McKenna, Emory and Iona College. So there's been a few really high profile cases of data falsification or at least mega misreporting, whatever, whatever we want to call it. A math professor at Columbia has called out his employer for providing faulty data to the U.S. News and World Report magazine in order to secure a higher ranking. Students at George Washington University woke up today to learn their top tiered school no longer ranks number 51 in the country. Uh, but I think those are exceptions. The day that Dr. Freeland retired, Northeastern broke the top 100 of the U.S. news rankings. It was ranked at 98. Once it cracked the top 100, applications came flooding in. This increase in applications helped sustain Northeastern in the rankings since number of applicants is a factor in the rankings. The top 100 is in that way somewhat of a self-propelling ranking. Most importantly, this increase in applications meant that Northeastern was now reaching the upper-class students who could pay full tuition. Prestige means rich people. I continue to defend the rankings. The idea of institutions being accountable to the public to share information, I feel that the community is better off but I still have a little piece of me that says, you know, did we get it right? There's a question. Did you get it right, Dr. Freeland? Are you asking me or are you asking Robert Morse? Did you crack the code? Maybe. Did you enhance the reputation of Northeastern? Probably. Did you make Northeastern a good school? There's no telling. No one's been able to tell me what that means and I sure as hell don't know. I'm at a community college. Let's hear your students' podcast. The 
This episode was produced by Community College of Baltimore County students. Caitlin Drescher, Renita Obicher, Sam Martinetti, and Abby Spies with help from For Real Media, hosted by Abby Spies. Writing consultant and editor Stacia Stein, edited by E.J. Snyder and Kyle Woodward. Original music and sound design by Kyle Woodward. Audio engineering by Nicholas Carlin. Cover art by Jacob Elliott. Thank you to the American Council of Learned Societies and the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation's Humanities for All program for founding this episode. Thank you to CCBC librarians Jean Box, Jamie Whitman, and Elizabeth Godwin for research support. Professor Jeremy Kaplan for his support and guidance. Kelly Hurd and Ariel Nissenbland for marketing consultation. Angel Lewis, Kaylee McIntyre, and Andrea Alvarado Avila, that's me, for managing our social media. Dr. Richard Freeland for participating in this episode. And to the whole Good School crew for hanging in there and working hard over the past two years to produce this podcast series. Good School is a production of For Real Media, a Baltimore podcast production house removing perceived barriers to media production and bringing more inclusivity to storytelling. Find Good School on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Good School Pod. Tell your friends, your family, your students, your colleagues, and anyone you think will be interested about our podcast. Leave a five-star review to help others find us. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will always know when new episodes drop. Go to forrealmedia.cd forward slash good dash school for more information about this episode. You'll find a link to Robert Morse's full interview, a transcript of the episode, and more good stuff in our show notes. Bye for now.